Welcome to the official Jets podcast. We're presented by WinBet Betting and Team Sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen here in the studio. Coming up, we're going to hear from the man backer, Bart Scott. But we're starting today with Jets defensive tackle, Quinn and Williams. How are you today? Thanks so much for coming upstairs to the second floor. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, Quinn, fourth season in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And you're still 24 years old. How about yeah. that? It's super dope, man. I'm still young, being 24. It's a lot of rookies coming in, like the quarterback from Georgia, I believe. I think he's 25, so it's funny to me, man. Like, for me to be 24 years old still in the NFL for four years now, uh, it's a super dope blessing, so. In just a couple of weeks, you're going to turn 25. Yes, sir. How do you guys birthday. celebrate that birthday? Uh, being in New Jersey and New York, it's so cold, so, like, me and my wife like to stay in, just cook dinner and just chill, different things like that, so. Who's doing the cooking? Do you guys share she duties? Cook. Yeah, she probably. It's my birthday, so she got to cook for me. Probably. Well, what's gonna yeah. be the meal? I don't know. She loves cooking like Alfredo pasta, salmon, and different things like that. Something healthy since we still in season. I yeah. try to stay on a strict diet still. So, speaking of staying on a strict diet, can you talk about how you came into camp this year? Mm-hmm. Everybody was raving about Q, best shape of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this all season, man. I really. I really took upon myself um, just learning di- different things in my first three years and di- doing learning different things I wanted to get get done and learn different things I wanted to do better in my next year. And one of those big things was nutrition and um, endurance. And that was one of the big things. I talked to Nikki, our nutritionist, mm-hmm. and me and her got a, an amazing plan down, packed down together, and had the strict conditioning staff all buy in into it and different things like that. So sticking to it, man, this whole offseason, I feel like I came into training camp best shape of my career. So that was one of the biggest things I wanted to get accomplished, and I think I did. What predominantly stands out in terms of maybe what you did fitness-wise mm-hmm. and then what you did from a nutrition aspect? I think it's two machines. I think the ski machine and yeah. the roll machine was two big machines I did uh, this all season at um, Different Breeds Sports Academy with my trainer named Don. He's an amazing endurance trainer, bro. And the ski <laughs> machine and the roll machine was the first two machines I was like, yo, like, I am dying on this machine. <laughs> like, and um, it was just fun, man, just being able to get in shape uh, like I wanted to be. And it was hard going through it. And nu- nutrition-wise, it was like, it was everything still good and still uh, healthy and different things like that. So it wasn't a, no huge change. I just started eating more vegetables, uh, different varieties of vegetables and different things like that. So 12 games into your fourth professional season, <laughs> how do you feel physically at this point? Oh, I feel amazing. I'm just laughing at people and telling them I'm still young, so I don't really get sore <laughs> too much. But it's, it's, it's a testament to my diet and uh, nutrition staff and my wife for real. So You're always talking about the team. Mm-hmm. But can I ask you just to talk about yourself just for a little bit? Uh, what do you think about <coughs> your campaign to date? You got nine sacks. Mm-hmm. You're one of the best run stuffers in the National Football League. You're constantly double and triple team, but the production is still there. Uh, I just think I'm doing my job. Uh, honestly, man, everybody hold me to a, a accountability to a high standard. And just like I hold everybody else to a uh, accountability into a high standard and that's one of those things that we all speak to each other like CJ Moses got a hundred tackles and uh people like don't talk about that a little bit and I be like <laughs> oh my CJ Moses he tells everybody to play call he t- he give everybody things so it's one of those things like without CJ Moses nobody no all 10 of us on the field won't know what to do 
So it's like it, it's a chain of command. Is everybody have to do their job uh, to a high standard and a high uh, accountability uh, for everybody to work? Just like you need brakes on the car and the transmission <laughs> and different things like that to get that car rolling. So I think that's a testament to my teammates and a testament to um, each and everybody that lined up next to me and on that field to help me do my job to the best of my ability. Where does that humility come from? Do you always have that? Uh, it's just one of those things, knowing that you you're not alone out there. It's not a it's not a single sport game like golf or tennis or anything like that. Um, it's one of those things like you need a team, you need your players next to me. And at Bama, it was like every single body on that field had that same mindset that we all need each other. No matter if you five star, or four star, or this star, uh, we all need each other to be successful. So we were talking before about Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. Is he a guy that? You talk to and also do you study his tape? Oh, it, for sure. I study I study his tape uh, after the game. Really? He, yes, uh, for sure, man. Like, Chris Jones, Fletcher Cost, one of my good mentors uh, that I always talk to each and every game. Guys who I've been looking up to since college and uh, learning after, learning different techniques and learning uh, my whole game after them two guys. And um, just having them guys to really mentor me is a dream come true for me. Um, and just keep continue to pick their brains and different things like that. So when them guys get ready to retire, I can still <laughs> keep pushing on. <laughs> what, what do you like about both of their games? Um, both of them so physical, and they are like they're big, they huge humans, man. They get uh, do the things that I want to do, like get skinny in the gaps and uh, throw finesse moves, throw power moves, become good run stoppers, and just um, their motors, their athletic abilities, and the different things that they do uh, week in and week out, and to be consistent at it and to be leaders on their defensive line, not on the, on the defensive line, be on their team, and that's what I want to become, and that's what I want to do. So, do you think you've become that? I I, I remember you walking in the door when you were. Uh, baby face rookie but yeah. now even though you're a couple weeks shy here at 25 mm -hmm. you're one of the longest tenured players on the roster mm -hmm. yeah i definitely feel like i i've earned the uh voice to speak up and do things like that but not just be a leader but just be somebody who uh who who's been experienced and um and different things like that um but i definitely feel like i came into my own of being a leader and different things like that on how I speak to people and how I talk to people and just how we hold each other accountable and having a leader like C.J. Mosley make it way easier <laughs> when when you say something and C.J. nod his head like, yeah, yeah, I need to listen to Q. Like having somebody to back you up like C.J. Mosley is, is unbelievable to have. So, uh, How cool is it for you guys to share that connection that, hey, not only do you play – professionally together but you were trained under the same man at Alabama oh it's unbelievable because he like I'm not the only one that believes in the humility believes in the teamwork the effort the different things like that it's another guy who's one of the best linebackers in the NFL um, I feel like a couple of years now um, who went through that same path and believed the same thing believe in who's earned the respect of many players in this whole league and many people in this whole league um, that feel the same way I feel when it comes down to different subjects and different situations and stuff like that. So having a leader like that in your organization and on your team um, helped me become a leader and helped me um, get enough confidence to speak up uh, when I need to speak up. So, Foremost, what's at the top of your mind when somebody says Nick Saban? The GOAT. Yeah? <laughs> I say the GOAT, man. Coach Saban, the GOAT. Like, for real, just because – the, the many guys who came through his program and stick to his program and the many guys who became successful no matter on the field or off the field after that program is the reason why I think he's the GOAT. 
How much does it mean to you being part of a team that's not only ascending, not only is growing, but came from a certain level when you were drafted? Mm -hmm. Now people are talking about potentially playoffs, and you guys are focused on the process mm -hmm. here, but it, it seems like this group is developing in front of our eyes, and mm -hmm. this is just the start of something. Uh, definitely amazing, and it's a testament to the organization and the coaching staff that they brought in um, and bringing in the different guys who's from a winning culture like Corn Alexander, uh, DJ Reed, and uh, draft picks like Sauce Gardner and uh, Jermaine Johnson, different guys that they brought in who have a winning mindset, a winning attitude, and a winning tradition to come in here and just spread the winning joy and the positivity of winning around the whole organization, not just winning, but doing the right way and the right things to win. And it's just amazing to have great leaders like um, special team captain like Hardy mm -hmm. and C.J. Mosley and um, different guys like that, man, that's who, who come in and who push everybody each and every day to pull out their best and be the best. And not only guys just talk it, but walk the walk also. So, What do you think about Salah here in the second season and, and steps that you guys have taken under him? Well, I think he's phenomenal, man. I just think like – um, the passion he's bringing week in and week out, the trust he has in his uh, captains and the, the offense and defense, different things itself, it's just coming out week in and week out and just always have great messages to us every single day, no win or losses, but to get better week in and week out and every single day and everything will take its course on its own. And you can feel like uh, that's been going on since last year, like getting better each and every day, homing on the small details and doing the things you need to do to be the best you can be week in and week out. So, Externally. It was a heartbreaking loss in mm -hmm. Minnesota because you guys had opportunities down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Come back from a 23 deficit, uh, just weren't able to get off over the top. But I was on the ground in Minnesota in the locker room. It seemed like to a man that, hey, you guys thought you should have won the game. Secondly, there's things to clean up. Mm -hmm. But third, no moral victories mm -hmm. because – Winning and losing, that's the only thing that matters in the NFL. Oh, definitely, man. Winning and losing matters in anything, no matter what you do in life. <laughs> like You go either win or lose, and the winners is the ones who are going to stick around for a long time. But um, at the same time, it's like um, that was an unbelievable football team we just played, and we had multiple, multiple opportunities to beat that football team, and, and that's a testament to uh, us of uh, being a good football team also. And that's the thing that go back to the small details we got to fix and the, the little inches we got to take to make game-changing plays or game-changing sacks or game-changing touchdowns. It's the things we got to go back to the drawing board, go back to the film and learn where we can take those inches and take those small steps and the small details where we can finish football games against a great football team and a great quarterback because um, these teams that win the Super Bowl, they do that. Like they, they do the small details, they do the small things, they take the small um, inches on their game personally and as a team, as a group, to win Super Bowls. So, in the long run, can you be better from that experience? It, it, play on the road, hostile environment. Mm -hmm. That's a team that now is ten and two, and much like yourselves has really excelled in the fourth quarter throughout the year. I think entering that game, you guys were plus 51 in scoring differential in the final mm -hmm. quarter, and they were plus 50. So that's a team that has gotten it done late. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, even though you didn't get that outcome you wanted, you desired, that down the stretch, that experience could help every one of, that, every one of the players on that roster. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, wins and losses can help uh, your season go, man, because you can learn from your wins just like you can learn from your losses. So um, learning in general is a big thing that I speak on um, to the defense or the defense line room, no matter if you did it good or bad. Um, focus on the extra steps. Like if you did something good, find out how you can do that even faster or even even stronger, even 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 like more with technique and different things like that. And that's how the – the greats be great. That's how Aaron Donald become Aaron Donald. Uh, you hear about all the story. I watch a lot of documentaries on like Reggie White or like different legends like Deion Sanders and the different things that they do to take their game to the next level so they can be more consistent throughout the years. And that's what they, sp- they speak on, the small details and the small things to help you take your game no matter win or loss or so. What do you like most about the defensive tackle position? I think the biggest thing mm-hmm. about defensive tackle that I like the most is like you can affect a run or a pass. Like, as a DB, it's like you can only really affect the pass. Like, so it's like one of those things. As a linebacker, you got to rely on, like, defensive linemen and DBs for the pass and the run. But I think as a defensive tackle, it's like you can affect the run. If it's a run play, you can be able to make a run stop. If it's a pass play, you can be able to get a sack or a quarterback hit or hurry. So um, being a dominant defensive tackle is, is big in the NFL, I feel like, because you can affect no matter what happens on the field, that dominant D tackle will be able to affect – um, pass or run. So, what's the key in getting off the ball so quickly? Uh, I think everybody got their own thing. I know yeah. I talked to Christian Fletch and everybody like that, and just <laughs> D Payne and Jonathan Allen and everybody in the league, like who I talked to, like it's just your own thing. You f- might be fan work, might be keying somebody's jersey or keying the ball or keying the wrist, elbow, or just knowing the cadence. Listen, I know a lot of people listen to like the the uh, TV edition of home games to get somebody cadence and different things like that. So it's really like uh, a lot of techniques you can use or a lot of things you can use in your way. So How much do you enjoy that, the study part of the game and actually the prep work that goes into being a great player? Oh, I love it, bro. I, I, I study so much. It's so funny because my wife just graduated from the University of Alabama, and she was like, yo, you really – like." I got a doctorate in football, <laughs> and I just bust out <laughs> laughing. I'm like, I really do because I study so much of football, and I know so much about football. Just the IQ level that I have about football is unbelievable, and I just continue to study and continue to learn from guys in front of me or even guys behind me. So, All right, so I started the National Football League in 2000. I was a PR intern with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. They had a guy at the time who was a great – Three technique defensive tackle Warren Sapp. That's my. That's why I look at all the time. Uh, you said you look at Sapp mm-hmm. all the time. What do you admire most about his game? I think the biggest thing I admire most is his athletic ability. Him, him being so big, um, him being so, um, especially interior interior because like his three tech and two tech. Uh, when him being in three tech, it's like, man, like he's really rushing a guard or a center like these dominant edge rushers rushing in. And that was the biggest thing that Chris does a lot too and Fletch does a lot too. And I wanted to be able to put that in my game to be able to rush fast and fluent with athletic ability like them guys. So, Is it something over the years you talk about talking to Fletch, talking mm-hmm. to Chris? Have you had an opportunity to talk to Sapp at all? Nah, not yet. Okay. Nah, I, I know he's an amazing guy. Like, I see him fishing all the time on Instagram and different <laughs> stuff like that. So, if I get the opportunity yeah. to talk to him, I'll holler at him. Okay. Well, we're letting <laughs> him know right now that you're a fan of his game. But uh, <laughs> f- uh, the way Fletcher goes about his business and then the way uh, Chris mm-hmm. goes about it, um, the differences, 
like you were talking about before, and also uh, the similarities between them and your game. Mm-hmm. Oh, they got a lot of stuff different. Um, Flex more of a power guy yep. who can do the edge rush stuff, but he's lo- he loves power and different things like that. And Chris, one of the finesse guys who can do the big out rushes or the one bounces in the inside and different things like that. And with my game, I just feel like I take both of those, try to take a little nuggets out of both of their amazing games. Because these, we talk about all pro future Hall of Fame detackles, and I just try to take little small stuff from each one of their games and like stealing almost from each one of those games and try to put it in my own body and my own mind and make it my own way. So it's a big thing. Like, cause uh, Vinny Curry, a uh, guy on our team who played with, who yeah. got drafted with Fletch yep. and played with Fletch, he'll be like, we'll be watching fan. He'll just bust out laughing. He'll be like, bro, you look just like Fletch on this play. Like, and it's so funny. Cause like, I, I watch myself do it so much, or I watch Fletch do it so much. I'm like, I gotta recreate that same move, really? the same steps, the same way on the same, you know, the same guard. Especially if Philly already played that team, like I try to recreate that same exact atmosphere, same exact move, and stuff like that. And Vinny Curry always laugh at me. They be like, "Bro, you look just like Fletch in that move." Like, how much do you like playing with Vinny? He seems like he's so passionate. The oh, guy's so positive. Passionate. He's super passionate, super positive, and super like. Smart when it comes down to different things he's been through. He's won a Super Bowl. He know how it look. Um, he know he just he's just so experienced in different nuggets and the wisdom that he and the knowledge that he give each and every one of us young guys in the room and everything like that is amazing to have. So you mentioned in terms of those guys, <laughs> Pro Bowls before potential Hall of Famers. What about you? You, you, how much would it mean to you to be a Pro Bowler? And a first team all pro because mm-hmm. I think you should be definitely a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. And if people aren't considering you for first team all pro, they got to get their heads checked as well. <laughs> uh, it would be cool, man. But the biggest thing I focus on, bro, is just like I'm a big person of like, um, like doing the right thing all the time. And if I'm doing the right thing all the time, everything else is going to uh, handle itself when it comes down to accolades and different things like that. But I, all I control is like, Dominate on the field, being in the right spots, doing the job the right way, uh, handling my business on the field and off the field the right way, and just being a being myself each and every time I line up. Um, when it comes down to executing and communicating to my defensive line and different things like that, so. How impressed are you with the way Carl has come back from an Achilles injury and been such a beast off the edge? Oh, I knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen. Like even like people, people. I, we was in training camp before Carr got injured, and just to see, like, yo, Carr, you are a unbelievable animal, beast, majestic out here. Like, <laughs> then we got injured. It was just fortunate to see him get injured and different things like that. And um, he came back on a tear. Mm. And it was like, oh, my goodness. To see him start to get sacks and to see him start to ball out and to see him start to trust his Achilles and get comfortable back to himself is just wonderful to see. And it's like, thank you. Like, come on, let's go, Carl. Like, and Carl always tell us all the time. Like, he he's so, so uh, happy to have us. And just the appreciative we have for each other in that defensive line room is unbelievable. And one of the best defensive line rooms I've been a part of, especially when guys can hold each other accountable, constructive, criticize each other, and all get better at one because we always want to see each other succeed and um, get, be the best player we could be. So, Do you see parallels with your game with Carl? I know he plays a totally different mm-hmm. position. He's, he's out there on the edge. But in terms of sheer power, because one mm-hmm. of the biggest compliments I think Robert Sala has ever given you is that 
You know, you watch Quinn on film, and he's just he gets places in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And, and people, I think, when they watch you, they realize this guy's an explosive player. But you're so powerful. Yeah, uh, Carl teach me a lot. Like I just said, I'm trying to get my game to the point where I can rush interior like an edge, right. the edge rusher. Like Carr teaching me so much when it comes down to hand placement, attacking somebody angles, and different things that he he's learned. He has so much wisdom to come down to power rush moves at the edge rusher and uh, finesse moves at the edge rusher. So a lot of those things I steer from Carl and learn from Carl and different things like that when it comes down to attacking people angles and attacking people on uh, soft spots and their set and different things like that I get from Carl. So That's awesome. I for sure get a lot of stuff. Carl is unbelievable to me, so I'm going a, I'm to a definitely take some. Hey, stuff. I got to ask you about sack number nine. I was up in the press box and everybody's like, well, who got there? And we see you at the bottom of the pile. Did the guys talk to you after that one? I was wondering if there's going to be any shares there. Uh, <laughs> you definitely got there first. It's kind of funny because <laughs> it's it's so hard to get a sack, a single sack <laughs> having Carl and JFM and Bryce <laughs> and Sheldon Rankins and all these the dominant, dominant pass rushes up front. It's so hard. So it's like you got to beat the guy in front of you. Then you got to beat your teammate to get the sack. <laughs> So it's so hard to get up, but that's I, man. I'm so blessed to have unbelievable guys like that right next to me, and guys I can depend on, and guys that I know is got the same goal and the same uh, tenacity that I got. So, how much have the guys in the back end helped you guys do your jobs this year? Oh, unbelievable! Like DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, and all those DBs back there, bro. They, they, oh, they. Without them, it's no D-line because it just be 7-on-7 seven seven out there picking ball, getting catched, and deep balls getting caught and different things like that. So You're seeing those guys hitch more, right? Yeah, you see a lot of hitches now. <laughs> like You see the quarterback having to take his time and wait the receivers get open and different things like that. And it's our job. And that goes back to having a defense that communicate and execute on one accord. And this goes back to no matter like – you need like go back to what I was saying about the team aspect, and you need you're not just out there by yourself. It's not just Quentin Williams out there getting a sack. It's a lot of stuff goes into getting one sack. So just think about having four guys goes into this one sack and having eleven guys do their job yeah. um, at the same time. So it's a testament to get each and everybody on that defense uh, uh, opportunity. You're always preparing for the next series, but uh, how about Mike White and the way he's acquitted himself through two mm-hmm. games? Seems like such a cool customer. Uh, he's amazing to have, man. It's an amazing quarterback room in general with all three of those guys, all four of those guys in there. And um, I don't really, like, get a chance to be around those guys too much on the offensive side. But um, no matter – everybody's everybody's on my team. So you're on my team. I'm cheering for you uh, to success and cheering for you to have a great game and different things like that. So, My cause, my cleats. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what you were wearing in warm-ups and what your mm-hmm. brother, your older brother, your older brother Quincy, yeah. wore – uh, there uh, during the game against the Vikes? Uh, my call, my cleats was American Cancer Society. I'm American Cancer Society ambassador, and I do a lot of stuff with um, breast cancer. That's what I really specialize in because my mom passed away from breast cancer when we was teenagers. And um, I had one clique um, dedicated to breast cancer and uh, women fight and different things like that. When it come down to breast cancer, the whole clique was pink. And I had another clique uh, dedicated to the American Cancer Society and all the work that they do to bring awareness to breast cancer and all the things that they do to bring awareness for breast cancer and different things like that. And it's just an amazing opportunity to get a chance to put a on a major platform like an 
NFL football game, um, awareness of breast cancer and awareness to all cancer and awareness to different um, mental health disease and different things like that that each and every one of the football players got an opportunity to share with the world by through cliques. And it was an amazing opportunity for me to get a chance to um, wear these dope cleats that means a lot to me and uh, near dear to my heart. So, I think you were 12 when you lost your mother. Mm -hmm. When people ask you who she was as a person, uh, what are some of the first things that you say? Uh, I think she was – she had a lot of traits like Kosabin, honestly. Like, she was, like, super disciplined, super, like – she was just super, like, like detail-oriented because she was a school teacher for so long, and my grandmother was a school teacher, and they always preach, like, discipline, effort, toughness, like, different things that Kosabin uh, used to teach about. But she was definitely a leader, and she always wanted her uh, boys to be leaders. And I always wanted us to uh, give effort and give it all. Anything we do, give all to us. So I could definitely say she was one of the most uh, influenced pe people in my yeah. life. So, How cool do you think she would think uh, it would be for her looking down at mm -hmm. you and Q on the same defense, playing on the same professional team in the mm -hmm. NFL right now? Oh, she'll be, she'll be super excited. She'll know we'd be arguing a lot, though, but that would be like, she'd be like, yeah, I got to stop arguing. Like, out there, like, yeah, I got to get on one accord and different things. <laughs> Damn, but do you guys really argue that much? We don't because argue, but we, the way we construct to criticize each other, it'll sound like an argument, but really? we're just brothers, though, because we know each other. Yeah, it'd be like, Quincy, Quincy will miss a tackle. Like, Patriots guy, he missed a tackle. Yeah. It was wide on the field, like, third and 14, missed a tackle. And I was like, like, come on, bro. Like, it, it wasn't like, come on, bro. It was like, da, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, he was looked at me. It was like, I got you. I got you, bro. Right. I was like, you got me, bro. You need to make the tackle <laughs> on the field. You know what I'm saying? So it was something super dope, bro, that uh, we always, we always, and my mom think, my mom used to think we was always arguing and bigging, but we were just like constructive criticizing each other harsh, though. Know? Tough love. Tough love. Uh, yeah. Amongst brothers. Yeah, exactly. So it's cool, though, man. On uh, the other end of the spectrum, though, when you see him, take a running back out or a receiver out and you see that big mm -hmm. hit what's your reaction that what frustrates me when he missed those <laughs> hits because he got so he's a i think he's one of the best tackling linebackers in the nfl one of the most hard-hitting players in the nfl like so when he missed a tackle it's like bro you're a professional like that's like a sniper missing his shot in the military <laughs> like you know what i'm saying so it's like dang bro like so like he's a like he's an unbelievable tackler. So when he missed tackles, it's like it's detrimental to me, cause like bro, that's what you do. Like, but it's unbelievable, bro. Like, but he's a super fast, super explosive player in himself. So yeah, you've been unbelievably uh, gracious with the time. Well, let, let's close here. What do you think about the rematch with the Bills? Well, what do you think it's going to be like in Orchard Park this weekend? A few weeks back. Mm -hmm. You guys beat them in MetLife. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a great opportunity to play an amazing football team again uh, for the second week. We played the Vikings last week, this week, and unbelievable quarterback. And it's a, uh, it's an unbelievable football team, an unbelievable opportunity for us as the Jets to um, get a chance to play against those guys. So, How unique is Allen? Amazing. I think, yeah? Yeah, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's big, strong. <laughs> he, he don't care about contact. He don't care about defensive tackles or DN rushing them. Um, he'll throw the ball like he threw the ball last week on the edge of the some spectacular stuff that you rarely see from a quarterback when it comes down to physicality and, and different things like that. So defensively, you guys have been lights out in the second half. Mm -hmm. You've given up ten points over the last four games in the second half. That's about two and a half points a game. 
What does that say about the group and the coaching staff and what you guys are doing at halftime? Because you're coming out and shutting the door. I think that's I see it says a lot. Um, our biggest thing is getting that second half to transition to the first half. Um, that's our biggest thing. That uh, when I come, when I always say smart, finding the small details, finding the next step, and uh, from wins or losses. Um, to get to the next step and see how how can we turn this second half into a first half? Mm-hmm. How we can put the whole four quarters in the same uh, direction that we did two quarters in, and that's the uh, the biggest thing. I think that the organization, not the organization, but the coaching staff and the um, defensive staff and the defensive players, we're trying to find that that next step and that next level on how we can do the same thing for the first half and the second half. Uh, Q, thanks for stopping by the studio. Um, we will be watching that mm-hmm. All-Pro vote later on, but for fans, you still can vote for the Pro <laughs> Bowl right now. Definitely. WinBet is bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, they have what you need to win. Jets fans in New Jersey, sign up today and use promo code XJETS. And after placing your first $100 wager, you will receive $100 to bet with. You will receive a $50 free bet and a $50 casino bonus. Again, the promo code is XJETS. Offer subject to change. Offer only available in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older to participate. Please visit winbet.com to view welcome offers available in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. All right, let's bring in the mad backer, Bart Scott. How are you doing this holiday season? Akuta Matados. And listen, I'm not in such a bad mood after a jet loss. When, you, when I look at how good the team played, so I'm in good spirits, man. I'm encouraged like all Jet fans should be. Okay, so why are you so encouraged? Because uh, a couple uh, Jets fans probably were expecting a Grinch today. No, no, because when, when you look at how this team competed against a team that's 9-2, and two, how the defense, you know, um, clamped down later and figured out, you know, how to take the space away from the receivers. They challenged them. They got up in their faces opposed to playing off on, on third and short. They figured it out, and uh, Mike White didn't disappoint. I think they, if they would have been able to get off earlier and make those adjustments earlier, they would have been able to kind of get that offense in a rhythm. And so I give the Jets a lot of credit for being scrappy. I give them a lot of credit for going in a tough environment, and this is a learning experience, right? Now Mike White's been in these type of games. I think they'll have a better plan uh, for next next week or next time that they're in their situation how to put points on the board. They moved the ball up and down the, uh, the field. They weren't able to cash in. You know, that's about chemistry. That's about being put in situations, adjustments, being able to make audibles. And, you know, I think LaFleur has to kind of get down what Mike does well and how teams are defending them. And, you know, that's all a learning experience. So the Jets are getting on the, on the job training, but I think they still have a very good opportunity to make it to the playoffs. As you can see, what happened in the rest of the division. Yeah, I think, like I said before, when I was on the show, and I said that, hey, I think that the Miami Dolphins are doomed, or I don't think they may make the playoffs. And everybody laughed at me. Everybody called into my to my all the shows and platforms that I'm on and told me <laughs> that I was crazy. But then when you look at what happened against Mr. Irrelevant and the San Francisco 49ers, they were able to to do what they did. So I think the Jets still are in great play to maybe finish fifth. They have to take care of business, no doubt. But I'm encouraged by what I what I saw. And um, I think they're a live dog against the Buffalo Bills this week. 
hey listen you are crazy uh and, and don't forget to give uh brock purdy some love he did some nice things for the 49ers in their win over the miami dolphins uh let's get to what's happening in the second half for the jets has it gotten to the point where the narrative has changed on this team because in that third quarter where you felt the momentum changing and then we turned the page into the fourth quarter my expectation being there in minnesota was the jets are going to win this game so i kind of speak i kind of think that speaks volumes of what robert sala and this group has done because yes the vikings are a very good team and they did prevail but the jets had every opportunity to win that game well you know what i i, I hope this week uh when they go and they, they do their short yardage goal, goal line mm-hmm. They take one of those. Remember those when you were a kid and you had to go to track practice? They had one of those, that, that big mat for the high jump. Yeah. I just want I want the running backs and guys to practice just going over the top because we saw Patrick Mahomes just break the plane. That's pretty much all it takes. And it is extremely hard to stop people when they jump and dive over it and the lineman cut everybody and another linebacker has to meet another running back in the air. So, you know, I come from the time where, you know, LT and all those guys used to just get airborne. Now everybody's trying to sneak in and get low. Hopefully we can work on that because I think this won't be the last time this situation comes up where you just got to have it. You know, could you re- remember when we played the Bengals and we had to have it and yes. we went to our goal line package in the middle of the football field and we got airborne to get the first down? You know, so, so when it comes to situational football and you got to have it, you know, I think we got to start practicing that, and I'm encouraged that we can get it done. Even if we don't go to that, this is just my suggestion. Yeah, do you think it is a learning experience here from Mike White? He's only making his second start here this season. Um, obviously, he did a lot of good things, but especially late. Uh, you just mentioned something that I think I want to emphasize here is that that connection with him and Mike LaFleur is going to build over time, right? Yeah, yeah, you, you know, that, that has to marinate a little bit. And listen, at the end of the day, Mike White made the play for the game. It's just unfortunate that Braxton Berrios couldn't make the play. But, you know, you talk about not really having a lot of experience with Braxton Berrios because he hasn't been the starter, but they kind of saw what each other saw. You heard Mike White after the game say, hey, you know, they were playing. You know, basically what they did is um, the third man in, instead of usually that you run from inside out, we saw CJ try and make that same play when you have like bunch sets and you run to the, you know, the first inside. But what they did is they, they went four over three. So instead of, you know, first high, first outside, first inside, what they did is they had the linebacker go outside leverage, knowing that the middle linebacker was going to take the pivot route because that's usually what happens. Right. So now that's a learning experience. And, you know, he still found the hole. Braxton Barrios just couldn't keep, you know, hold on. And um, sometimes that happens. But um, the fact that they were able to improvise on the fly um, with just seeing what each other saw, that means that they're having discussions and they're sitting down watching film together. Uh, he's such a cool customer, Mike White. Uh, unflappable. Listen, uh, things weren't going the Jets' way early, and then he came back in the second half and played his best football. What do you think the ceiling is for Garrett Wilson? I mean, I, I think that... Um, you know, just think, like, if we didn't have the three games that was a Brees Hall show, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, he was still a little beat up from the Cincinnati game with the rib injuries, but he had three three games where he kind of didn't get a lot of attempts, 
and didn't get the ball and wasn't treated like a number one receiver. And 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 deservedly so, because Brees Hall was, you know, it's a lot easier to hand it into a running back's stomach and be able to, to go home run. But I think he's put himself late in the um in the rookie offensive of the year. Rookie. I think he's, I think he is offensive rookie of the year, don't you? Well, it's tough, right? Because you have Chris Olave, yep. right? Who has made who before the game started had 200 yards on him as far as production. And that's why I go back to those three games where, you know, he really wasn't involved in the offense. But what what he has over Chris Olave is the fact that Chris Olave isn't playing for a play. Well, I, I, let me take that back. Oddly enough, <laughs> you never know that division, I, I see within that division with four wins, they're one game out of first place, which oh, is crazy. Man. But I don't think that the that the voters will look at it that way when you see that Garrett Wilson effect on winning is greater than I believe Chris Olave. So he's still a live dog. And, you know, with five games left, I think he'll, you know, be the first jet. I don't know if he'll be the first jet receiver ever since Keyshawn Johnson to have like over a thousand yards receiving in his rookie campaign. But um, he has a, a, a chance to eclipse Keyshawn Johnson and maybe be the um, all time receiving rookie in the Jets history. And I think that's something to be said. And I think that warrants potentially offensive player of the year. I know what Kenneth Walker was doing and is doing with Seattle, you know, running backs sometimes get that award as they're starting to kind of, you know, level out a little bit as well. I know they got the win. So listen, Garrett Wilson, his ceiling to me is Justin Jefferson's ceiling. I look Mm. at him and his rookie season, the same way I look at Justin Jefferson. He has the opportunity to go well over a thousand yards and I think become and solidify itself as one of the better um, number one receivers in the league. I think definitely so. You're talking about a guy who at this point in the rookie seasons, a lot of guys are hitting a wall. He's just plowing through the wall and he's accelerating. His game is getting better and better. He's become such a weapon for this team. And you can make the argument that the Jets are going to have the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year. All right. I want to get back to the short yardage bit. You talked a little bit about Mike White and Barrios there. And then also the running back jumping up over the pile, AKA LaDainian Thomason. But where do you stand? Just a general overall philosophy, being a guy used to be a linebacker in the national football league did so at a high level. With the quarterback sneak, not for the Jets, for anybody, like in that third and one, fourth and one kind of range. I mean, it's guys that are different in being able to do it. Like we know that Drew Brees was good at it, right? He was a guy that would just go there, jump over the top, get the ball smacked out of his hand, but break the plane with with, with possession of the ball. And, and, And it was a high percentage goal line guy that way, right? Also, you saw a guy like Tom Brady, who was almost like 90% on his career in quarterback sneaks. He went low, right? But, you know, for me, you know, right now what I love is, you know, quarterbacks, you know, motioning out and letting running backs or tight ends do that because they have more leg drive or tight ends doing it and being pushed from behind. So I really like that and wedging it up. I like that scenario as well. So, listen, Mike White isn't, um, you know, Tom Brady, Michael Vick, or Jalen Hurts, and he has his strengths and weaknesses, and he was able to get in, you know, um, after follow review, figure out that he got in but it didn't look pretty. It's other ways. It's more than one way to skin a cat. But I, I would love the Jets to be able to start playing with some of the personnel groupings. 
know, when you when you like that, I mean, why not just have one receiver and bring all your extra linemen in and wedge block everything, right? I mean, I think it's different ways to be creative, right? Because you you can you can put your offensive linemen back, and I think that's what it's going to take for Lafleur, especially when you get in that situation. You know, I, I love what Dallas Cowboys do when they get in the red zone when they go with the four tight ends, and they they have so many different plays off of it because then. Now you got guys on the outside that can wedge block and, and, and superior blockers, and now you get the numbers up. And also, you know, they, 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 they've run um, tight end sweeps. I've seen shuffle passes out of it. And so I think you have a lot a great opportunity. You break the formation. You get linebackers on, on, on tight ends. You're able to run little bubble screens, you know, if you put them all out there, the, the legal pick play. So it's a lot of different plays and personnels, but – and everybody does it differently. So you have to take your best personnel group and I think come up with unique plays and for those special situations. I mean, because you, you want to be able to present something and show something that the office hasn't seen, right? So they, you're, you're forcing them to adjust on the fly. And that's what Kansas City does. That's what the Dallas Cowboys does. And they're one of the higher percentage um, you know, uh, teams in the red zone as far as red zone efficiency. All right. Jets Bills the rematch. You'd figure you're gonna get Buffalo's best shot. Obviously, they're playing for a division. You're playing for the playoffs. As you stated multiple times, listen, if the Jets won this game, they'd have a sweep of the Bills and would only be a game behind in the division. Stakes are really high. But let's talk about the counters, the chess match. How is Buffalo gonna approach this game defensively different? Uh, with the uh, with a different approach, possibly no Von Miller, but Matt Milano's back in the lineup. Jordan Poyer's back in the lineup, and Trey White's back in the lineup for them. Yeah, I mean, I think you think that they're going to feel comfortable that they can be able to stop the run this time. Uh, but that this is a different running back and a different running game. You know, now it wasn't Brees Hall in the first game to begin with. But now you think about Bam Knight, it's a little different type of running game. You saw that he was able to bend the corner, use his speed, mm-hmm. you know, on that end around, you know, to the left the left side that went for an explosive play. So, you know, I, I think that the first thing is they're going to say, okay, well, they don't give up big plays. That's traditionally what they've always been. But they don't have Michael Hyde. So, like, it's not like they have two safeties back there. So now you have to take advantage. Let's see if they try and heat Mike White up. They understand that Mike White, you know, the first game you would say, like, okay, well, Mike White, um, against the Bears, quick stuff, right? But you saw a little bit further down the field now. And I think Mike White should feel, you know, if, if you can handle Ed Oliver and the interior pressure, you feel confident with the fact that, you know, they got Boogie Basham, who's more of a, you know, bull rush, power pass rusher, and Rousseau, who's coming off an injury. You have to take advantage that they don't have their closer right now and take advantage of that and hope that you can have a little bit more time. And let's see, like, I think, you know, the Buffalo Bills are going to try and say, okay, well, we got Tredavious White, but, you know, you can move him around, put him in the slots, a lot of different things you can do. They're going to try and keep everything in front because traditionally when they have been at their peak and playing their best football, they don't give up big plays. But it's opportunities for, I think, you, you, you to get big plays against this team, but it has to all start with the run game. You have to let them know that no matter what the adjustments that you made, they're still not enough because we still can run the football physically on you downhill. And if that means, you know, going in with, with, with George Fant, and, and and I really would love to see him come in as tackle eligible, knowing that he played a little tight end, but just the threat of just having 
you know, a tight end there or extra guy on the end of line scrimmage, tackle over type of thing, and, and try and pound the Buffalo Bills and see if they made the necessary adjustments. Look at you talking about four tight end sets. Now you're talking about three tight end sets, getting those jumbo packages in there and ground and pound. How about the other side of the ball? Speaking of pounding, the Jets really delivered a lot of blows to Josh Allen in that first game. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Huff uh, injured his elbow on that run, uh, one pass rush really late in the game. What do you think as far as the chess match uh, is concerned? with the Bills offense against this Jets defense who shut the door down on the Vikings in the second half. Uh, the Vikings were really good on third down conversions in the first half, but they didn't get a lot at all in the second half. Yeah, I don't I don't know if Dawkins is going to be back, but, you know, being able to attack that left tackle side, you know what I mean? They, they, he, the, the backup barely made it through the game. I mean, they went out and basically cast his ankle, and, you know, he was just holding on for dear life. So the ability for the Jets to be able to heat him up with, with – with four is key. But the fact that the Jets just continue coming in waves, I think, you know, bowls well. We, you know, with Josh Allen, you also always have to be, you know, conscious of of uh, you know him running the football. I think this week you don't put you can't put CJ Mosley up in the line of scrimmage because last game, what did they do? They they checked to a quarterback keeper to the left side. He hit his head on the goalpost. They they have a plan for that when they see that package. So you have to take that out because they have the answers for that. Unless you want to bluff them into that and maybe blitz with the cornerback or do something unique like that. But you understand that they've scouted that 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 personnel grouping and that that front. And when you think that you're maybe getting one-on-ones with your guys, Josh Allen is comfortable and capable enough of making that necessary adjustment. I don't want to see you get burnt twice by the same thing. He's going to give you some opportunities to make some plays on the football, right? Listen, Allen is – such a talent, not only throwing the football, but running the football, as you just articulated. But at times, he's going to put it out there. And sometimes he can be a little careless with the ball in the pocket, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's loose with the football. He's a guy that, you know, when it gets tough, he's just going to go ahead and say, okay, I'll put my body at risk. He's going to run the football. And, you know, you have to be able to, to make plays on him. Right, he may they they trying to protect him from himself a little bit so they don't have him run a lot early in the game. But when it's fourth quarter, all bets are off, and they need this game, you know, so importantly because because with the loss of Kansas City, they want the 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 playoffs to go through Orchard Park. To do that, they got to beat the Jets, and the Jets got to be up for the task and say, listen, we have our own aspirations, and um, something has to give. Uh. Where are you with the Jets' rush defense? Uh, Delvin Cook got his in the first half. I thought they did a, a nice job in the second half making some adjustments against the Bills. We saw Buffalo kind of take it to the Patriots on the ground with Motor Singletary and then <laughs> Cook's brother, James Cook. Um, yeah. You got to watch out for Cook out of the backfield in the, in, as far as passing the game. But what do you think about the matchup with the Bills' backs against uh, the Jets' rush defense and also defending against the backs in the pass game. Well, I think with Sheldon Rankin's back, it gives balance on on both sides. You know, Solomon Thomas sometimes is good for pass situations, but he can't anchor just because he doesn't have the pure size and weight to be able to do that. But I, I think the Jets have the advantage across the board when you talk about the ability to be able to create a lot of pressure. Um, it's tough to run uh, sideways on the Jets because – they can get in. The, they can get um, 
up the field and they can beat blocks and it's hard to cut them off. So I think it's, it's a little different um, against the Patriots who are more of a two gap and stand still with those massive guys because of the Jets have, you know, athletic mobile tackles. They're able to beat those fronts and, and those zone blocks and be able to get up field and make tackles from the inside. So I think it's a totally different beast. I think because they had you know, Russian success last week against the Patriots, it's a totally different animal because of the ability and versatility of the interior linemen for the Jets when I talk, speak about them defensively. How cool of an opportunity is this uh, for the Jets, literally and figuratively? You know it's going to be cold in Buffalo. You just played in a great environment in Minneapolis. The Vikings are going to be hosting playoff games this year. Likely the NFC's number two seed. They're still in the conversation for the number one seed if Philadelphia loses a couple games. But uh, Buffalo, again, uh, you've played there multiple times. Great environment. And, again, they have big aspirations. They haven't been home in a few weeks. Uh, that place is going to be crazy, and I think the Jets can just benefit being in a game like this. No, absolutely. And the Jets, because, you know, they played indoors, even though they were in Minnesota, they didn't have to deal with the elements. But you have to understand what happens to the football when it's cold. It becomes slick and hard. And it's in ball security, job security. So not only Bam Knight, who, you know, is newly to the starting lineup, we got to make sure we secure the football. You know, sometimes he was fighting for extra yards and spinning and the ball was coming away from his body. It didn't hurt him last week. It can hurt him this week. So you got to make sure that you, you make sure that you have two hands on the ball and you don't spin and try and get extra yards. A lot of times when you're already in the, in the grass with somebody, and if you do spin, you got to practice keeping that ball tight to the body, not let it come away. But on the other side, guys like Cook has fumbled. Singletary has fumbled. Yep. So I think that you have to make sure that if you're the Jets, that you're trying to punch that ball out also, that you're trying to put a hat on the ball. Right. I know that the Jets, you know, um, use the hawk tackling where they take the head out. But um, at this point, this is a head tackling type of thing. And when I say head, you talk about putting the head across the body. That's how you secure the tackle, opposed to putting the head on the backside and making it more of an arm tackle. You know, I mean, the hawk tackling is great in theory, but it's it also means that, you know, the negative part of it is that you're putting your arm out there and trying to tackle somebody with an arm and a shoulder opposed to being able to get the you know head across on the football and make a run through your body and your leg. You know, um, so it's one of those things where you got to make the decision, you know, that you, your, your body's in a great position to make a tackle. No reaching, no arm tackles. That's some football 501 right there from Bart Scott because we saw a couple of examples of that in that game at Gillette Stadium where the Jets had a couple missed tackles. Uh, huge game in Buffalo this week. Let's end here. Have you started your holiday shopping? Well, you know, the good thing is my daughter sent me a um, hyperlink list, which takes all the thinking out. Um, and um, all I have to do is hit the list, hit the link, purchase the items. Um, takes a lot of the um, uh, mystery out of what she gets, but rather she be ha happy. Um, just what happens now when you have kids in modern day, you know, technology makes it um, – uh, user friendly uh, for people that's not you know great and being able to go out and find the items my daughter did it for me but i still have to find some surprises so i've started got a couple things off the list but you know dad always got to find some unique stuff that they don't know to ask or wish to ask yeah well we will be expecting some more surprises from you along the way that's bar scott we'll see you all next week